knowledge from Egypt. This one's special because that knowledge is coming directly from Egypt. In this week's episode, we welcome to the podcast Muhammad Ibrahim, tour guide and studier of ancient Egyptian language and history for the past 20 years. The knowledge that he has about Egypt is on another level. However, that's not where we go tonight. Because through one of his tours, he was made aware of the Gosford Glyphs. And that's where we spend most of our conversation, understanding what he's translated so far. And it was as much a lesson in language and understanding hieroglyphs as it was finding out what they said. The amount of knowledge that I gained and that I learned from this episode will be filtering in for a long time to come. And this one also may be better to be viewed via YouTube, and I will post it to the YouTube page because Muhammad does share some of the documentation that he has made, or him and Youssef, who is a, uh, an expert in carving the knowledge that they've gained by deciphering the hieroglyphs, how old they are, and what the story actually represents. However, what I saw tonight, and after speaking with Muhammad, it's unequivocal proof that Egyptians were here in some form. And the ongoing conversation that we will have moving forward, because after the podcast finished, we talked about half a dozen ideas that we didn't get to that he's more than willing to talk about and share. This will be a journey in itself. Now understand that this was literally a Zoom call between Brisbane, Australia and Cairo, Egypt. So there is some lag. I talked to Muhammad for five minutes before we hit the record button. So you're listening to us learn how to communicate and understand how we each speak. However, despite that, it's an awesome episode. Unbelievable. And the only song that I could think to put before you guys get into this one is Come Together by The Beatles. Because this was about nothing else apart from two blokes sharing a love of an idea, sharing knowledge, and trying to understand one another. And it was an amazing, beautiful thing. And I look forward to talking to Muhammad again in the future and look forward to sharing all the knowledge that we're gaining down here with him as he is sharing with us. Really appreciate everyone that has downloaded the podcast to this point. We're about to turn four. And to be honest, if you said to me four years ago, you're going to have a gentleman with the expertise and knowledge like Muhammad on your podcast four years from now, I would have been totally stoked with that, and I am. So thank you very much. Please spread the word, unlocking the code on Instagram, unlocking the code Facebook, and just let people know because this is the next step on the journey. And I think what we are beginning to see and beginning to unravel is very important, and I'd love to have you all along with me. Look after yourselves. I hope all is well. Stay safe. Be cool. Be kind. Remember, we're just people on this big blue ball hurtling through space. And we all are on our own personal journeys. Yet when we meet, we can share knowledge and understanding. Good on you guys. We'll talk soon. Cheers.
All right, we are recording. G'day, everyone. Welcome back. It's my great pleasure and honour to welcome Mohammed Ibrahim to the podcast tonight, directly from Cairo. How are you going, mate? Hi, Trifon. How are you? Greeting from uh, Egypt, from Cairo. Yes, thank you very, very way, much. I'm very close, uh, very close to Giza pyramids. So I'm sending you some of the energies of the Great Pyramid. Please, I very much appreciate that. I very much appreciate that. So I've followed your work for quite a while. However, why don't you let the listeners know a little bit about yourself before we get into some of the things we want to talk about? Yeah, I can uh, explain how I became interested in, in this uh, field. I was graduated uh, in uh, 2000 as uh, a tour guide. And when I say Egyptian tour guide, it means that uh, I studied everything about Egypt, ancient Egypt, uh, and what, what we mistakenly call it, Pharaonic Egypt, Greco-Roman Egypt, Coptic Egypt, Islamic Egypt, and modern Egypt. Uh, me and my colleagues, we studied uh, the Egyptian history, uh, Egyptian art, religion, uh, language, uh, architecture, uh, and everything connected with uh, ancient Egypt in different areas. Uh, I graduated as uh, some people, they say we are Egyptologists. Actually, I, I love to say we are more than Egyptologists. Because okay. when, when you say Egyptologist, he is the one who studied only ancient Egypt. He studied uh, that uh, time from 3000 BC to 300 BC. And most of them also are specialized in a very uh, limited part. We mm -hmm. find some Egyptologists, uh, the, uh, the main concern, uh, the pyramids, others, the temples, others, uh, some uh, certain time of uh, the Egyptian uh, history, like uh, the Ramasai time, Old Kingdom, Middle Kingdom. You won't find an Egyptologist who is aware with all the uh, ancient Egyptian history. But the tour guide, no. The tour guide is aware with all of the Egyptian eras, all the Egyptian cities, because this is what we do. When you book a tour to Egypt, you will love to come to Giza, you go to Aswan, to Cairo, Alexandria, Sinai, maybe the Oasis, and maybe some other cities. Each city has uh, its own history and culture and structures. So we are aware with all of it. Okay. That's why yeah. the, the tour guide can see the big picture better than the Egyptologist. And also something very important, when we talk about the hieroglyphics or what I prefer to call it the ancient Egyptian language, if, if you um, think that any Egyptologist or any tour guide can read hieroglyphics in a good way, that is not correct. It's a separate study. So okay. if I have an Egyptology degree, it, it doesn't mean necessarily I can read hieroglyphics. Now I can read the basics. Also, as a tour guide, I can read the basics, but to be able to read ancient Egyptian language, it means that you made a separate study, you uh, paid uh, time and uh, money for books and uh, uh, other sources of the information. So uh, that is, in general, the, uh, the beginning of my career. And after I became a tour guide, I led thousands of tours, and I was lucky to meet uh, so many uh, uh, pioneers and so many uh, smart people who are uh, professionals in their jobs, like engineers, like uh, physicists and geophysicists, like uh, geologists, um, artists, uh, even uh, uh, um, 
handcraftsmen, okay? And because we keep talking about the uh, Egyptian civilization from many aspects, so they had the chance to share their wisdom with me and I shared my knowledge with them. And it was a kind of a great workshop. Every tour for me was like uh, a huge workshop about the uh, ancient Egyptian uh, techniques and the ancient Egyptian samples and also the ancient Egyptian maybe energies and healing, mm -hmm. okay, uh, which enhanced my knowledge and opened so many uh, um, ideas and uh, closed parts in my mind. Like I'll give you an example. If you talk with me 15 years ago about uh, healing and energies in ancient Egypt, I would deny everything. I would say, no, 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 this is not correct. Okay. But uh, since 2005 and 2006, I started to uh, meet people who talk about this in the beginning because my uh, brain was, uh, uh, my education was uh, academic education based on um, solid foundation. And there is no chances to uh, imagine things. And when you imagine, you may find the truth, but no, based on solid evidences. So everything uh, connected with spirituality, with philosophy, with wisdom, it was denied. Okay. Okay. But after meeting uh, hundreds of these people, now I can tell you now, I strongly believe in many of these things. Okay. Not only believe because. They, I met them and uh, talked with them now because I started to uh, see the, uh, the site in a different way. I started to realize the evidence. I started to um, understand the message mm -hmm. was left by the ancient Egyptians. Uh, yeah, look, I, I must admit, Mohammed, that's one of the things I love about your work is that you have been so open even after studying the texts and the books, and as you say, you're very. The discipline doesn't allow for um, questioning, but you've spent the last 15 years questioning and and looking at things from a different perspective. And I really uh, respect that and appreciate that. Now, obviously, you're coming to us from Cairo, but we're actually going to start here in Australia because you had the chance to have a look at the the Gosford glyphs. So, how did you find out about those, mate? And and what was your interpretation of those? Okay, I was dealing with um, my ex-team uh, uh, as a tourist partner. And uh, uh, one of them, she was planning to travel to uh, Australia. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of her friends told her, can you... Uh, she, she explained about Gosford Glyphs to her and she asked her if you can uh, ask any of your uh, Egyptian uh, friends if they can decipher uh, such writings. She sent some pictures uh, to her and she uh, sent it to me. Mm -hmm. And the first moment, I, I must explain this in a very clear way. I had no idea completely about Gosford glyphs, like zero idea. When I uh, saw the pictures, that is, was my first time to understand that there are carvings like this uh, outside Egypt. Okay. okay. Yeah. My understanding about something like this was like in some writings in Saudi Arabia, some writings in uh, Syria, in uh, Palestine, the nearby uh, countries to Egypt, which makes sense to me because the Egyptians Absolutely. used yeah. to travel. Okay. 
but I didn't have any idea about uh, writings in uh, Australia. So the first moment I saw the writings, I immediately understood that this is ancient Egyptian writings, not just because of the look, but because of the style, authentic writings. And I have the right to do this judgment because I see ancient Egyptian writings all the time. Mm. I see it in tombs, I see it in uh, temples, uh, in Cairo, in Luxor, in Aswan, in Itfu, in Komombu, Abu Simbel. So that is something uh, familiar to my eyes. So when I see it, uh, uh, when I see authentic text, I can easily identify uh, uh, or I can easily realize that it is authentic. And the opposite can easily happen. When I see fake text, yes. I can also very easily, very easy to say this is fake. This is just made in modern time or someone uh, fake it to deceive somebody. Of course. Yeah. Which is... Which is happening to me, so many of my friends uh, in USA or in Europe and other places, they keep sending me pictures for uh, texts from statues or from um, souvenirs they bought from the market. And they ask me, Mohammed, what does it mean? I say, this should, it, it was made to look like ancient Egyptian, but this is not real text. Okay? Yes. Just from like five or less than five seconds. Okay. So that was my first impression when I saw the, the pictures from the, uh, the, the wall or the, the uh, small uh, hill in Gosford, I immediately said, this is ancient Egyptian writings. And what was it? What, what did it, what was the story, mate? Did you, have you, have you made a proper translation of it? What does it, what does it tell us? Look, my friend told me she is planning to do the tour and she already went to Australia and they took her to see the site. And she told me we want something uh, like a short uh, story for them as a beginning of a big work later. Yeah. Okay. So I made a short video. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think it was like 30 minutes. This is uh, this video not published. Okay. It was just a way to show the uh, elders there and the aboriginals that we are doing something uh, professional. We are not just claiming that uh, this is authentic, uh, we feel the same. No, it, it was a, a perfect academic work mm -hmm. okay, in a professional way. So uh, I uh, managed to uh, prove in that short video that we have uh, three groups of uh, of. Uh, let's say of three groups of words or, or things. Let's call it things first. We have letters, we have words, and we have sentences. Okay. okay. So the, the letters were made in a perfect way. Uh, the, the, the body of the word or the, the structure of the word also perfect. And the complete sentence is perfect. Okay. okay? Yeah. And I will come later and explain what does it mean perfect because... Uh, there are some other professional uh, or hieroglyphic experts said, no, this is not right. This is fake. It doesn't make sense. I will come to this. Yes. Okay. So, so, so what? just so you understand, as far as the story that's told here is that apparently a soldier came back from World War II and basically did it as a goof. But as I understand, mm -hmm. we didn't. The hieroglyphs was not, or hieroglyphics or the ancient Egyptian language was not a worldwide phenomena until the late 60s. So there was no way really for them to understand, A, how to put it together, 
be how to build the sentences and to have the, as you said, the perfection in the in the carving. Look, I am uh, about to finish my book, and I uh, wrote uh, a small part of it this morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, while writing the story of ancient Egypt, uh, you must come to names, right? Uh, like uh, uh, an ancient city, an ancient uh, queen, ancient prince, princess, like this. So I, I, my intention in this book is to explain so many things, and uh, the conclusion is going to be about the uh, abilities or the chances of having uh, advanced technology. But my point is, when I put the uh, the, the ancient Egyptian name in hieroglyphic text, okay which I, I made one, I was talking about uh, a city in, uh, in Palestine called Sharuhin. King Ahmus, after defeated the Hexus, mm-hmm. the invaders of Egypt, he followed them to their homeland. Okay. I can tell you more than 10,000 times I explained this story to my uh, uh, clients. Okay. More than what? 10,000 times. And maybe the same time to my friends and to my family. Yes. And I, and I know exactly the pronunciation of the word, Sharuheen. And my brain remember the symbols. But mm. I, I opened today, that what happened exactly. I opened the dictionary to make sure I am writing the right word. Because one stroke, one uh, angle can change the meaning. Yes, okay. of, of the symbol can mean a completely different thing. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. got my point that nobody can memorize a whole text like this and will travel uh, back home and will write the, uh, the text without a single mistake. That is not accepted. This is more than impossible, yes. especially with the ancient Egyptian writings. Okay. Yeah, and, and how so when you say ancient Egyptian, how old are we talking? I know age is an interesting question, but as far as your understanding, how old is that text that, they're, they're, that is presented there? That is a very good question. I may answer this question later in, in this conversation, okay, when we come to that point. But let me tell you that the ancient Egyptian language, we are talking about a language survived for almost 3,000 years, maybe more. But yes. let's say it was practiced in a... In a uh, proficient in, a, in an official way for 3,000 years from uh, 3,500 BC to mm-hmm. 300 BC. There, there are or there were uh, early times before this and later times, but that was the a perfect official time for the ancient Egyptian language. And when At we that, say yeah. three 3,000 years, we must expect development. We must expect some letters changing. We must expect different vocabulary, different meaning, uh, different uh, style, different fonts, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So what I found in Gosford Glyphs, that the man who wrote this is not only aware with the, uh, the Egyptian language, but he is also aware with the, uh, the changes. Like, uh, let's say, um, as, as an Egyptian who speak English, when I greet somebody, I would say hi or hello. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, in Australia, you say, hey. Yeah. Right. G'day. Yeah. G'day. How you going? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. H-E-Y. 
So if if I uh, if I read hey I understand that this is like hi or hello. Yes. But but imagine one thousand years later, an yeah. academic will come to this and say, now who wrote hey? That is not uh, English. That is wrong. Yes. Yes. A, a, a soldier from Australia came and wrote that. Okay. So that is the point. So uh, so many of the uh, words in that text. Mm. was written in a similar way uh, as in yeah uh, the man uh, because sometimes we write the word with um, I will not say different symbols but let's say I will show you examples I will share my screen and yeah. will show you some examples yes but uh, the end of uh, each uh, word uh, has what we call it a demonstrative or like a picture like I have in my ID I have Muhammad Ibrahim name. Yep. and my picture. Yes. Okay. So if I keep the name only, it still means Muhammad Ibrahim. But if I delete the name and I keep the picture, it still means Muhammad Ibrahim. And yes. if I put them both, also it still mean the same. It, it doesn't mean two people. It still mean the same person. But when when it comes to my picture, I can put my picture now. I can put my picture uh, with a different profile from the side. From but you still recognize me, right? Yes. This is the same way the ancient Egyptian did the last symbol. Sometimes okay. the last symbol is a hand like this and a hand like that, and it different there. So the man who wrote uh, the, the glyphs at Gosford, he mixed it between two styles. Mm -hmm. Okay, still the same word, but mm -hmm. let's say it was written with one style, maybe in the north and in the south was another style. So he mixed it, with, he added that, that last symbol the two main symbols of the two words, mm. of the two styles. Mm. And if, if someone is uh, in modern time is going to memorize the, the word, he will memorize just one style. Just one and style, will, yes. Yes, and he will write one style, not the two styles. Mm. Okay. So I can tell you with clear and uh, with, uh, uh, how do you call it, innocent heart. Yes. The Gosford glyphs is written by the hands of ancient Egyptians or the, the impossible possibility <laughs> by a professor of hieroglyphics. It must be a professor yes, who wrote that. Great, great knowledge to, to write that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't make uh, any uh, logic like uh, the professor is going to do this. Why? No he sense. He didn't leave his name or didn't leave anything leading to him at the end. So it is not about money, about uh, fame. So it is ancient Egyptian uh, writings. Uh, about your question, how we can date the writings? Um, in the Egyptian tombs, we date the writings because of names. Okay. Is that uh, like, are we, uh, this, are we uh, high? Are we talking yeah. uh, pharaonic names or just descriptions of places type thing? Or uh, yeah. In general we read the story and we find that there is an official as an example called Kar. Mm -hmm. and, uh, there is a tomb for a person called Kar in Giza Plateau. And Kar mentioned the name of King Bibi. Okay. So we, we understand that there was a king called Bibi, maybe Bibi 1, Bibi 2, according to uh, the uh, related uh, uh, words, uh, from the 6th dynasty. Old Kingdom. So we're talking about 2400 BC. So we know that this person wrote this during that time. 
That time frame, yes, okay. I understand. Yep. Or, yes, uh, or uh, if there is no names and we can see a certain style of art, mm -hmm. like we see the owl, okay, mm -hmm. which is letter M, Mm -hmm. We see the owl is, was made in a certain design. So we can say, our, according to our studies, this shape didn't exist in Middle Kingdom. Okay. And started to uh, appear in, uh, didn't exist in Old Kingdom and started to appear from Middle Kingdom. So this is, could be Middle Kingdom or later. Mm -hmm. Okay. But no one can claim that this is Old Kingdom because we didn't find any owl with this shape from Old Kingdom time. Roger, okay. okay. Yep. Yes. Uh, some other types of, of art, we, they made the eye in an almond shape, uh, like an alien yep. style a little bit. Okay. Immediately, we call this style Amarna style. And okay. Amarna means this is the city of Akhenaten. So this is the art was made during Akhenaten time. So this is how we can understand and date the writings. So I found some symbols in Gosford glyphs mm. were made during what we call it late uh, time or late era of ancient Egyptian uh, civilization. So we are talking about 500 BC or later. Okay. 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 Yes. But uh, I found some other information saying that the text itself was written at that time. Mm -hmm. 500, maybe 300 uh, BC, okay? But the visit or the relationship itself wasn't 500 BC. No, it was much older. Yes, it yes. Was, it was thousands of years uh, before. So the, who wrote that text? That was the last, uh, let's say, visit for the Egyptians to Australia. Okay. In the ancient time. That was the last one. Yeah, because that, that's that's some of the some of the research that I'm doing with some of my colleagues down here, Mohammed, is we're looking at a few different things, and that's what our research research is suggesting as well that the Egyptians have were, were trading or communicating, sharing knowledge with the indigenous here for thousands of years prior. Yeah, that so that's exactly yeah, and and this is not look in uh, if you see my video on YouTube, uh, three videos, I think the first video. Uh, has uh, I didn't mention Gosford in, in that video at all. I think I was talking first about uh, the possibility that the Egyptians could uh, uh, sail overseas to Australia because so many of the uh, of uh, the um, so-called uh, experts or uh, Egyptologists they deny this possibility and say no. Uh, they deny that Gosford glyphs are authentic because the ancient Egyptians didn't have the ability to uh, sail overseas. So my first video is talking about two things. Mm -hmm. That the ancient Egyptians from a very early beginning, yes, from a very early beginning, they sent uh, uh, the Egyptian, uh, let's say, merchants or uh, even armies or expeditions to many countries to bring many different uh, products. They send them to Lebanon to bring cedar wood. They send them to uh, Afghanistan. And, and that is not written about Afghanistan, but we do have amethyst in ancient Egypt. We do have lapis lazuli from yes. where we don't, that is not an Egyptian stone. Okay. That, yep. is, that is not even a Middle Eastern stone. We don't have amethyst in Middle East. Isn't that Lebis interesting? Lazuli. 
here's an interesting thing, Mohammed. So I would have said that lapis lazuli is, I identify it with Egypt, but it doesn't come from there, you're saying? Oh, yes. It comes from Afghanistan. Right. So, so they're at least trading okay. with Afghanistan. You know, there's, yes. there's, yeah, yes. Okay. Okay. And they went to uh, Central Africa and mm. maybe South of Africa to bring uh, ivory, to bring uh, uh, other uh, Af- uh, incense, uh, to bring uh, um, uh, some kind of oils. Okay. And something interesting. Ancient Egypt was aware with giraffes. Okay. okay. Yes. So where are giraffes in Africa? Southern Africa, South Africa, e- yes. E- exactly. Very good. Okay. It doesn't locate in North Africa or Central Africa. Giraffes in Southern Africa. Yes. So the ancient Egyptians had to travel to uh, South Africa mm. to bring giraffes, to bring baboons also. Baboons also is, is a, um, a, an animal from South Africa. Okay. Okay. So... It is very clear that the Egyptians traveled to very, very far countries. Mm. So why we deny that they uh, uh, traveled to Australia? And the, uh, the, the story, or if I like be polite and just call it the silly story about uh, their disability of uh, navigating uh, and uh, having ships to go to uh, Australia, uh, that, that is not correct. We have uh, one of the small boats, and I, it is not small, but I love to call it small because it is uh, considered as a funeral boat uh, behind the pyramid of King Khufu. Uh, yes, it is I've 40, seen that. Yep. 40, 46 meters long. Yes, that's not very small, but it is a smaller boat as far as it goes, yes. I've seen no, that no. one. I, I saw that I, one. Is that the one that was I, buried in the desert? That's the one that was yes. buried. Yes, I've seen exactly. that. Actually, actually, this is a huge boat, okay, and yeah. compared with the boats of the ancient world. But why I call it small? I, because I didn't want to call it at all. Okay. Okay. That is something that was made as a funeral object. Right. So I get it, what you're saying. So it was made as an example. Yeah, it's an example. Exactly. Yeah. So what, what about the real boat? What about the real thing? Yes, the boat will okay. Mm. If they are, if they are just make so this is like a model or like an example. Yes, okay. Yes. So uh, and and when we talk about uh, uh, trips to Lebanon to bring cedar wood, so we are talking about big ships, mm. and it is not only a, a ship to carry people, no, it's a ship to carry products. Okay, cargo yes. ships. Okay. Uh, so for sure, the ancient Egyptians had the abilities uh, and the uh, knowledge to uh, sail to Australia. Mm. When we check the story of Hatshepsut uh, in her temple, mm-hmm. uh, going to a bond land, we have a very confirmed story that Hatshepsut sent the Egyptian fleet to an, an, a country, they call it African country, but let's be specific. They send it to a country called Bond. Mm. We don't know where it, where it is. Okay. This is uh, uh, maybe Yemen, maybe uh, uh, Somalia, mm-hmm. maybe uh, Djibouti. We don't know. Not but sure. they, assume, they assume it is a country uh, on the Red Sea, overlooking mm-hmm. the Red Sea, which I also don't trust this. Okay. But let's uh, do 
quick analysis for the uh, animals and the sea life uh, in the surrounding sea. We see some uh, uh, pictures for uh, different types of fish mm. and uh, such fish uh, located in the what we call it deep sea or yes. deep water. Okay. Okay. We see the swordfish. Yes. Okay. We see the uh, the stingfish, the ray sting. Stingray, yeah. We see, yes, stingray, yes. We see uh, a fish, I don't know the name, but it, it was like something uh, above the nose, like an antenna. And I had an Australian, uh, for many times I had Australian clients in uh, in my tours. And one of them told me, Mohammed, this is a typical story. I will show you the picture now. This is, he said that we can find this fish on the shores of Australia. Yeah, you can share away, mate. I've opened up the yes. sharing, so share yeah. whatever you want to do, whatever you want with us. Mm -hmm. That's very fascinating. And look, while, you, while you're bringing the screens up, it's no surprise to me that the ancient mm -hmm. Egyptians can build these megalithic structures. Building a boat would not be out of the realm of possibility. I mean, even if we talk about transporting some of the largest stones down the Nile, you know, the size of the ship that would have to be able to do that is, 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 is amazing. And I've, I've no doubt that they would uh, circumnavigate the... Yes. Look, let me tell you two, two stories, okay? Uh, when I went to Norway, I was uh, lecturing in Norway, Oslo, and yep. they invited me to go to the uh, Viking Museum. Mm -hmm. Okay. I saw their ships, and when I stepped inside, I was asking, where are the ships? They told me, here it is. This is the ship. I said... Is this the ship? I expected something huge. Mm. But what I saw is what we call it in Egypt, uh, like a feluca. It's a, it is a, a small size. Yes. Okay. We have, we have a, a Nile boat with the same size. Okay. okay. Just, to, just to travel the Nile, nothing else, just to go up and down the Nile. Exactly. Yeah. And the second uh, story, when I went to uh, in the same trip uh, in Norway to, uh, what was his name? Uh, uh, the, uh, the Norwegian uh, uh, traveler, uh, Thor Herdel, I think that is, was his name, Thor Herdel. Can you hear me? Yes. Yep. Yes, Thor, Thor Herdel, he uh, navigated from Africa. Uh, from Egypt, uh, through the Mediterranean, uh, through the Atlantic Ocean, and he went across the Atlantic Ocean with a reed boat, similar to what we see in the Egyptian tools. Oh, with just a reed, reed boat? boat made okay. From, yes. He made, uh, I think, two trips or two boats, Ra 1 and Ra 2. Okay. Okay. Yeah, right. And, and I had, uh, I, I took a picture for myself and the boat. Okay, to make sure that to show the people that this is the boat uh, could cross the Atlantic Ocean, mm. and it, it was designed to copy an Egyptian boat. Okay. okay. Oh yes, I've heard about the, that. Yeah. The biggest. Yeah, not we are not talking about the biggest uh, boat in Egypt or the best example. He copied uh, uh, what we can call it um, a boat for entertainment or a boat for a, a picnic or a nice uh, Nile trip. Okay, yeah, right. So just so a, a, a party boat, boat. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if such boat can do this, what about the big boats and the big ships? Mm. Okay. Mm. So uh, 
let's share the screen. I want to show you something. Yes, please. Okay, so I made the, this paper to explain the story. Mm -hmm. Okay. And here, when I resemble this symbol, we can see. Okay. Uh, can you see it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. This looks like yes. a, so uh, a, a paper clip. Uh, yeah. 46. Yes. Yes. Um, you will see that I have the one on the right side and the one on the left side. Those are Egyptian to left and the other one from left to right. Yes. Because the, the good thing with the Egyptian language, we can write the language from both sides, mm -hmm. right to left, and read it from right to left, or left to right, and read it from left to right. And okay. the, the third uh, option is from top to bottom. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. So we, we gave a code uh, that code, the uh, academics understand that every symbol will make a code to be easily identified without making mistakes. Mm -hmm. So the code is F46 and the other code F46A mm -hmm. as an exception. Okay. Yeah. So what is written in Gosford is the exception. It's not mm. even the regular style. Okay, so it's not the common style, it's it's yes, yes it's right. The exception. Yes. Okay. Okay. And here are a group of samples. Hmm. Okay, you can easily find that they are identical. Yes. Like any person, even like an, an, a commoner, someone walking on the street, if we <laughs> tell him are, are these are identical. Yeah, wow. He will say yes. Yeah, okay. wow. Can see the, the seated man on the chair, yeah. uh, the bone, the, the mummy. Yes, very clear. Okay. Yes. And then when we talk about the, the word itself, mm. so those are just letters, okay, individual yes. samples. Now we can see that we have a word of uh, six letters. So who can memorize? Uh, memorize a word of six letters without doing mistakes and have it exact, I, have it exact as well as you just showed there before exactly. very interesting yes yeah. okay and and the sequence only it's not only memorizing the, uh, the the letters but memorizing where those letters are placed okay because mm. later we will see that uh, one letter can, like, we can step forward a little bit, another letter can step back a little bit, okay? It's because this language was not written just as a regular language, like when we write ABC. No, it is a language of art also. There is an artistic view. Yes. Okay? So they, they put some letters maybe in the wrong order, but just to make, to make it look nice. Mm. Mm. We understand this because we studied this. Yes. Okay. And uh, here. So you see something interesting. So that word, netter midu, mm -hmm. it means divine, divine words. Okay. Yeah. So when we look to the Gosford text, they made four strokes above each other. Okay. Mm -hmm. that, is, that is wrong. 
uh, as an academic, I will say this is not right. He made a mistake. Okay. But what is the, the true picture that this is the one, one stroke in alone, in individual position, and three strokes above each other. Mm-hmm. Okay. Three strokes means what? Means plural. One okay. stroke means, means single. Yes. Two strokes uh, double. Yeah. Duality. Mm-hmm. Three strokes means, so if I say book, I will put one stroke. Mm-hmm. Two books, I put two strokes. Mm-hmm. Three books or many books, I put three. No yes. more than three. Okay. So if I, when I say books, plural, I must put the three strokes. Okay. Or I put three pictures of book. Oh, yes. Okay. Multiple. Yeah. Okay. Yes. But sometimes the, the space is not enough to put three things together. So they put one thing and the three uh, strokes or dots. Okay. Okay. But this is now my point that who made this is an Egyptian. He understand his language. So he didn't find or he didn't have any problem because this is an individual stroke and those are three strokes. So he didn't find a problem to put them together as a local style of writing. Is this so, uh, so what we, I would say, like a shorthand, Mohammed? Exactly. Shorthand and also uh, fast technique. Yes, okay. Because yep. we are not, and, and listen carefully to this, we are not talking about official priest who is doing this. Okay, I understand. We are not, you're right, got it? We are not building our judgment or comparing between the gospel text and the uh, official way of writing. Of course. In this case, that is, will, will not be, uh, will be unfair. Yeah, okay. I understand. Okay. Yeah. And later I will show you that I managed to find the name of the person who wrote this uh, writing. Okay. Very interesting. So this is what I'm talking about. This is a word called uh, ajau. Okay. Ajau means like guilt mm-hmm. Okay, or deception. He was trying to say there was no uh, mistakes uh, between uh, us and the Australians. They were trying to say it was like fair relation. Okay. But yeah. in, a, in a negative way. Okay. So we have this word. Okay. In... Uh, And actually, I made uh, even me look. I uh, no, no, not me. Uh, the, the 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 word, the, the first row. Mm-hmm. This is the word in Gosford, and on the left side, this is the when I put my own samples. Okay, this word it doesn't exist in our language this way. Okay, it exists in two ways. The first way on the left side, mm-hmm. on the lower level, without that coil. Yes, okay. I can see that, yeah. And the second word with the coil, but without the hand. It, it shows a man. Okay. Okay. But you will find that the, the technique was used in Gosford text. It is mixing between the, the first option and the second option. Mm-hmm. Because if I use the hand, I shall not put the coil. Right, I understand. But why he made that? Because that man... Okay, the man includes the arm. Yes. Okay, so as if this is the, the word in a bigger way and in, a, in, a, in more details. Okay? Yes. I as, say, a short, uh, yes. as a shorthand, 
they uh, um, later because I will give you also another example, uh, and and that is uh, the Middle Eastern languages uh, and the famous languages Arabic. When I write my name Muhammad in English, mm-hmm. it is M O H A M E D, right? Yes. Yep. But when I write Muhammad in Arabic language, it is M H M D. Yes. Yes. No, no vowels. Yeah, I have seen that. So I'm, I'm a teacher uh, during the uh, as my day job, Muhammad. So I have had a few guys name Muhammad, mm-hmm. and they have said that to me, M H M D, without the vowels. Yeah, I have, exactly. I have, yes. So how we know this? How we know that it is Muhammad, not Muhammad or yep. Muhammad? We we study this. We know this from a very young age. So our mind will be uh, okay with this. We understand the vowels without the need of writing the vowels. Okay. The only way to write, uh, or the only need when uh, we, uh, the only way when we need to write vowels is it, if it is a long vowel. Mm. Like when I write a person called Mahmoud, now we move from a vowel of one, uh, let's say one sound, it will be a vowel of two sounds. Yeah, you would add so, the add the uh, the o then because you need exactly. to make the sound yes because, understand. because now it's a it's a long vowel because if i don't add this vowel it will be muhammad again yes so so mahmoud then i must add o long okay. o yes okay so this is again ajaw okay so ajaw sometimes written without o or w and the other time is written with so without and with so he wrote he made a mix between the two styles. Mm. Would it almost, just having a look at this too, just would it almost be easier to do the arm instead of the entire statue from a carving point of view as well? Maybe a bit, like right. you said, shorthand, simpler. Mm-hmm. Mm. Exactly. Mm. And and again, I am also, uh, I understand that he wasn't thinking of writing this way now that is this is his experience this is his style yeah that's he's just like how, how you would write english and how exactly. i would write english different but same yes yes so yeah. he, he is not deliberately making this no this is, is his regular uh way of writing mm. Mm. okay uh, this is very important example here um because I disagree with uh, the opinions of most of the Egyptologists who uh, had the chance to um, uh, see Gosford glyphs and claim it is not authentic. And also the other group from the opposite side who believe that it is authentic, but it, they explain it in, in a completely different way or okay. a wrong way. Like this, all of them, when they check this uh, simple, Mm-hmm. They immediately say this is the red crown of the north of Egypt. So that is the king of north of Egypt. Red crown. Okay. Which it is correct, right? Yes, this is the shape of the red crown. But it doesn't act here as the red crown of north Egypt. It acts as symbol or letter N. Okay. And we know this. Okay, we, uh, as hieroglyphic uh, students, we understand this. So this is not a word means red crown of North Egypt. Now this is 
just a, a small word or a symbol uh, um, means nitty. Okay. T and the plural here, Y. So it means this. This, okay. So you see, the, the meaning can be easily changed just because of one simple mistake. So it has nothing to do with the king of the north or north Egypt at all. It's just uh, a symbol means in. Just a, sim just a simple word, in other words. Yes. A again, this is an example, like you said before, Muhammad, of you can see this because you've studied this for many years. Exactly. However, the, the slip of a, of, a, of a chisel or whatever tool they used would change the meaning completely without understanding it correctly. Right. And also because of a symbol like this, I can say, yes, this is no way to be old or middle kingdom. Okay. Maybe beginning of new kingdom or during the new kingdom. Why? Because if this word was written during the old and the middle kingdom, they are going to use different symbol like the water weave. That is yeah. N. Okay. Yep. So, so this development or change happened during the New Kingdom time. Okay, interesting. So, so that is not familiar during the Old and the Middle Kingdom. So this helps us okay. date it. This helps us, gives us a, a date. Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay. The same thing like this, okay. Uh, also, this I can see it as one of the very uh, hard uh, words to read. Because you see two symbols almost look like the same. Okay? Very similar, yes. You, you don't see any difference. Okay. A little, but, a little bit more of a depression in the top. But I, the exactly. thing is, if, if I didn't have the one on the left to refer to, I may not see it. That's the, that's the thing too. That, that is my point, yes. For yeah. uh, regular I, we'll think that those are two uh, similar letters. Okay. Maybe, uh, and they will be uh, even uh, good if they say this is R and this is R. So it will okay. be rare. Mm, okay. okay. But, but as you said, yes, uh, for the expert eye, no. And, and not only the expert eye, but someone who saw this combination hundreds of times in other examples. Okay? Yes. So when I see it in, um, in a low quality art, I understand that it means this. Yes, because you've seen it so many times. Repetition, yes. Exactly. Mm. Now, this is a big sentence. So, do you realize we moved from individual symbols to words to a, a complete sentence now? Absolutely, okay. yeah. Yes. And this sentence is saying were and and it is not only the sequence but also uh, what we call it the the silent or not the silent let's say um, is it the pronunciation the pronunciation how it actually is worded no I will give you an example in, in Arabic language. And this is also one of the help, one of the great things when I did that, that I was, I'm very good in the Egyptian, in the Arabic grammar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And which I see that the ancient Egyptian grammar structure is copy from the Arabic grammar structure. They are the same. Okay. So when I'm talking about, uh, if, if I uh, talk about someone, 
okay, doing something. Mm-hmm. And let's say uh, Sam went to the school, okay? Mm-hmm. And I, I will say that he did something else. Let's say he attended the uh, he attended the uh, the classroom or the uh, or the game or anything else. I can uh, I I can delete the second mention to him. I can just start with the verb. Yes. So Sam went to the school. Yeah. Played played uh, football. Yes. Okay. That is not correct in English. Okay. Hmm. I must mention the subject. He played football, or and he played. No, in ancient Egyptian, in ancient um, and in, in Arabic, I can just mention the uh, the second verb mm-hmm. without mentioning the subject again. Okay, I understand. So, yes. So when you look to the uh, the writings uh, uh, I made, not the the actual writings, you will find that there is uh, s letter s between brackets. Mm-hmm. That it mm-hmm. means I understand it is there, but it is not written. Okay, I understand. Yeah. Okay. So ben or binu nefer ajau. Okay. And this is also a very very smart way and very great evidence that we all understand that the word nefer means beautiful. Okay. We have uh, Nefertiti, Nefertari, Nefer. Yes, yes. We say Nefer, beautiful heart. So Nefer means beautiful. Okay. And and I'm not talking about commoners. I'm not talking about tourists. I'm talking also about Egyptologists. Many of them believe the same. Okay. Many of the tour guides. I don't like to say most, but let's say be more uh, prospective. Many are. They believe it means uh, beautiful. But here it means zero. Okay. Okay. Means zero. So the meaning that the ruler and the chief of the foreign land, Binu, Mm -hmm. have no deception. Okay. It it must say have zero deception. Uh, I understand. I understand. Yes. 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 Okay. But I explain it as... Because I love to keep some uh, uh, things uh, to... uh, or uh, stories. So in, in a podcast like this or in a, mm. uh, uh, in a TV program or something, I must have something new. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. Yes. So, so never hear that the exact meaning is zero. Mm. Okay. Uh, so this is a perfect, what we call it nominal sentence. It mm. doesn't have verb. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and this is accepted in the Egyptian grammar, and also in the Arabic grammar. We have sentences without verb; it, it all nouns. So that, I understand yeah. this. Yes. So I mean that is that is uh, unbelievable evidence there that it's actually not only are the symbols correct, but the, how it is spoken is correct as well. Which, as you say, would be impossible for anybody to replicate. Exactly. Mm. And I must add something to uh, uh, my friend. uh, I didn't do this work uh, alone. Mm -hmm. Uh, My friend Yusuf Oyan also shared with me. Yes. uh, Because Yusuf is talented in another field, in carving. Ah, okay. Okay. Good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I 
could give the uh, thickest explanation and the uh, authenticity and the meaning. But Yusuf made a great point. He said that if you look carefully to the original text, you won't find mistakes. Yes, it doesn't look like high quality. No. But, but you don't feel that he made something and he was trying to overwrite this mistake. No, mm. He made it one shot. So he was very okay. certain about what he was trying to write. Very yeah. good. Mm. And, and again, as Muhammad, and mm. I, I know that many people, when they uh, introduce me, they say hieroglyphic expert, which is a great title. I hope to be uh, at the same level. I, if I am going to write this sentence, I will use my dictionary to make sure I'm not doing mistakes. Yes, right. Whereas, whereas not this... only me. Yes. Not only me, but most of the hieroglyphic experts are going to use the dictionary or to make it slowly, one mm. by one. So whereas th this was just written, this was just carved into the stone. Yeah. Yes. And, okay. And, 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 and as you... And, uh, one day, inshallah, and when this COVID thing will uh, disappear, I will. I must visit uh, this site, okay, and check it personally. Uh, as I told you, after seeing uh, all the area mm -hmm. in pictures, mm -hmm. I can easily say that who made this? He made it from just one time. He didn't wow. correct anything. Wow. Okay. So, so the ruler and the chief of the foreign land, Penu, have no deception. So basically that means that they are good. Is that is that what I'm saying? So the ruler yes. of the land is good, yes. Exactly. Okay. We have good relations. Okay. He, he was trying to say it this way. We have good or great relation relationship. Okay, good. Okay. This is the most important part of the story. Mm. What happened? Like why the Gosford glyphs were written. Yes. Okay. Because I told you maybe this visit wasn't the first. In mm -hmm. my opinion, it was the last. And uh, maybe this relationship started thousands of years ago. So why we found just one text and why was the need to write this text? Because yes. what happened? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So here the story talks about a storm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they say the storm and the north wind, okay, yeah, blew up again. Mm. So as if they are familiar with such kind of tsunami, if I can call it tsunami. So there was an ancient tsunami mm -hmm. happened uh, during the time, uh, the departure time mm. for the fleet. The Egyptian fleet mm -hmm. was uh, sailing back to Egypt. Mm -hmm. So uh, a storm and a strong wind uh, happened. So they turned. So they must have. Yeah. So strong winds come. They've turned around to go south to get away from the storm, basically. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Mm. So it say that the the storm and the north wind blew up again. Captains, and that is the interesting thing. It says captains, not just one captain. Because we are talking about fleet. We are not talking about one ship. Or More two. than one boat. Talking, yes, mm. exactly. And, and in my opinion, um, I can say 40 from like from 20 to 40 ships. Okay. Why I say so? Because that was the regular or the repeated number 
for the Egyptian uh, ships going to Pontland, going to Lebanon, Peplos. So they normally talk about 40 ships. Okay, interesting. Okay. So it said that the captains turned around to the south. Mm -hmm. So so you see what we're talking about? North wind. So north wind means what? It means they, they, they need to turn around to use the wind to they, go the other direction. They were, they were heading to Egypt. Absolutely, they're heading, they were heading sailing home. sailing to the north, right? Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. What, what is the, uh, the northwest part of Australia? What, what is the name of this area? Northwest. Northwest uh, would be Broome or uh, there's a lot of, there's not a lot in the northwest. Um, or, or west. Or on the west. Western side, you've got uh, that's northern New South Wales. Oh no, that's the eastern side. So where the where Gosford is is in the east. Okay, so ah, okay, yeah. So the so the harbour maybe on the northeast, east or northeast. So if so, basically from from the some of the research that I've been doing, Mohammed, with some friends of mine, Richard Patterson, there was a there was an ancient megalithic site uh, in a place called Mullumbimby which is north of Gosford. And mm-hmm. basically that they have found evidence of an Egyptian anchor stone and some mm-hmm. ballast stones in the river there and some of the texts back up some of the stuff. I'd love to share that with you another time. But mm-hmm. So I would say that that would be probably where they were going, but if a storm came, they would have had to turn back south. And there's a lot of bay coming back along the eastern side there, they were probably aiming for, I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, mm-hmm. and the story is confirming this. They were heading north and mm-hmm. they had to turn around to the south direction to mm-hmm. uh, go back to the harbour or to hide uh, behind uh, an island or something or high ground. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bays. Uh, one, well, the mm-hmm. harbour is there as well. So the Sydney harbour... You have you seen the Sydney Harbour Bridge? That would be yeah, that's, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that Gosford is not far from there. What a couple mm-hmm. of up the coastline, but they may have been get, trying to get back into the river mouth, you know, to mm-hmm. to shield themselves. Interesting. And also here, I you can see that I made uh, the text twice mm-hmm. in the and uh, was my um, font. Mm-hmm. Okay. To show you that the uh, the upper level, uh, the, the original in the middle, mm-hmm. the one above is a copy from the, the original text. Okay. Okay. But but the lower one is the actual symbols we are using. Okay. And if I can add the the, the correct word, the official way. Mm-hmm. Okay. The official way. So the uh, the uh, above uh, text we can call it the shorthand way yes and the, the lower one is the official way which is not different just mm. some kind of uh, changes to make the text easier to to be written yes yes okay and the second part of the story mm-hmm. okay oh there you go Raise. okay it took me a while to understand the first two symbols, the star symbol and this strange shape. Yes. Okay. Looks like a, a, a key or a something big, big thing. Okay. Uh, I also, as a, as a Middle Eastern 
and Egyptian and, and Muslim person, uh, I can understand that when you have a disaster, you immediately call the sky. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because Price, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so that that is what happened. That they he was calling the the, the for the help. Yeah. From above. Yeah. Help me. Help okay. help. Yeah. God help yeah. me. God help me, as we would say down here. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and then he uh, started to describe what actually happened to the fleet. Mm. That the the upside down ship. Yes. Okay. If you look to the ship I put from my dictionary, it doesn't look exactly like the ship on the original text. No. Why? Because the ship on the original text is in the actual condition. It is actual upside down ship. The ship ah, in my dictionary. Yes. Okay. The ship in my dictionary is a regular ship, but we made it upside down. We'll oh, right. So, so, our, that, uh, so that should be the other way up. In the, in the original text. Okay. Yes. So you got my point. So that ship is a shipwreck. That is a perfect shipwreck with the oars heading down. Oars going down. Yes. 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 But, but the one I brought is uh, the, the regular uh, upright ship, but I made it upside down. Okay. So, so, so the, the one who made, uh, again, we must say bravo. Uh, uh, to the man who made this writings. He made it perfect. He didn't stick with the official picture, but uh -huh. he made the, 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 the truth. He made the actual uh, picture. Actually drew it upside down. Yeah. Yes. And so that symbol, like a fork, that is a measurement. Okay. Yeah. It's half cubit. Uh -huh. Okay. So he is saying that the ship turned it upside down. It maybe was a, a very strong wave. Mm -hmm. And the ship hiked from the, the, the sea level upside down and was torn apart. There's some very, very, very heavy storms on the east coast of mm -hmm. Australia, Mohammed. So it, oh. it, mm -hmm. it, there's not, this isn't a surprise. They, they, have a, they have a race called the Sydney to Hobart and some of the most dangerous parts. There's two dangerous parts. Mm -hmm. One of it's going down the east coast and then across to Tasmania. But yeah, we have mm -hmm. Storms on the east coast here, massive storms. Ah, interesting. So mm. Maybe the Egyptian fleet witnessed one of these uh, bad uh, storms. Say so, so by but, the looks of things. Yeah, but isn't very strange uh, for the people who say that this is written by a soldier or by uh, even uh, a professor. Mm. What what kind of a story is this? Yes. Right. If, if I'm going to fix something, I'm going to say I visited Australia with my king and my uh, uh, followers. We have a good time. We uh, bought some things. Okay. I'm going to describe a trip. Yeah, a fun story. I'm not going to describe. Yes, I'm not going to describe a disaster with such uh, oh exact details and some and measurements and uh, what happened to the fleet. No, this is like a movie, my friend. Like I am describing this for you. And honestly, I imagine in my head, I, I'm seeing the picture as if it is a movie. You can see it. I mean, from my perspective, Mohammed, hmm. I know how big the storms can get on the east coast of Australia. If you've got hmm. of wooden ships, they get caught in some of those waves on the coastline. It, it would tip a ship over. It has tipped ships over in the modern times, you know, like that's, mm -hmm. that's not a 
an unrealistic thing. Mm -hmm. So if we looked again to the first symbol ship, okay, and the last symbol in the other right, it is the same ship or another ship, yeah, upside down also. Yes. But it doesn't look exactly the same. So is that a different okay. ship, do you think? No, different condition. Ah, okay. That the first ship was in the beginning of the story. Yeah. And then, the, uh, what do you call this main uh, pillar in the middle of the ship? The mast. The mast? Now, the, this mast is broken. I say it's okay. broken, and, yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's, and, and that is not a mistake uh, of writing. No, he is deliberately doing this angle to tell the people that the ship is uh, being destroyed. Hmm. So that would be the mainsail. That's where the, the mainsail is attached to the mast. And if the mast yeah, we, breaks, then the will, ship's done. We, yeah. we will come to this. Okay, here it is. Again, as an academic, when you see a cartouche, that oval shape, mm -hmm. okay, mm -hmm. call it cartouche, you immediately, immediately say this is the name of a king. Okay. But wait a minute, like, uh, who said that this is a must? I put my name in a cartouche. My uh, yeah, yeah, become, yeah. You've got your cartouche. Silver yes. cartouche. And, and uh, we have so many cases from the ancient times, they put their name in a cartouche. Who would, like, who would resist putting his name in a cartouche if he had the chance. Okay. Especially, especially if someone from a foreign land who did survive. Uh, uh, exactly. You know, you're going you're gonna to mark your work, aren't you? That's, that's what's, he, yeah. he will not go to jail because of this. No, no, no one's going to find right. him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so he wanted to honor himself. Okay? And he yeah. put his name in the cartouche. Mm. And he started his uh, uh, writings with the famous Egyptian style. He said, Jed Nidu. How do mm. we know that the person who wrote uh, that this name is the person who told us the story? Because of Jed Nidu, the snake and this chisel shape. Yes, okay? yes. It, it, it means this text or, or these words spoken by. Mm. Okay. Yeah, right. So this is, yes. so yeah, so this is by my name is, you know, something exactly. like that. Yes. So any name after Jed Midu, it means this is the one who okay. said the story. Yeah, right. And yes. And his name, as I uh, read, Nedj Sobit. Okay. That is his name. And he made like uh, that uh, strange shape looks like a bird. That is, in my opinion, Horus, mm -hmm. the falcon. Mm -hmm. but he, he didn't make it in a good way. And he was honest enough to also give us his title, Renti Ren, yeah. the sailor. Yeah, so now right. we have a name, we have a name, and we have a title. Yeah, right. So Nedj Sobid, mm -hmm. the sailor, Nedj Sobid, is the one who wrote this text. Okay, interesting. Okay. Is he the only one? No. It seems that there are more than one. Okay. Maybe maybe the only one who wrote the story, but he is not the only survivor. Okay. Okay. Because uh, we found uh, another name mm -hmm. uh, for a person. It seems to be a, a, a relative, royal relative. 
for the yeah, king. right. Okay. Nefer Sobed, and, the and chief Sobed. That is not, yes, exactly. That is not, yeah, as a relative, that is not his title in the mission. Mm. Okay. That was his relationship with the, uh, with the palace. But he was the chief sailor. Yes. And actually, according to our knowledge, that makes very uh, uh, good sense because uh, the expedition to a foreign land means what? Means political relations and economy and um, sometimes some secrets if they are going to bring some secret products or important products. So the king made sure to send his royal assistance. Yeah, trusted, uh, loyal, trusted people, uh, yeah. Uh, friends and relatives. Mm. Trust, exactly. Okay. To make sure that they do the job in a good way mm. okay, and they keep the secrets. Mm. So he sent uh, Nefer Sobit and maybe others uh, as uh, the uh, main uh, supervisors of this expedition. Okay. So when we say uh, chief, chief sailor, we are not talking about the captain. Okay. Not necessarily oh, okay. the captain. Yeah, so right. So it could be the the, the overseer of everybody. The, the political the political captain. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The leader of the so expedition. Now we have a Nedj Sobit and exactly, yes. Mm. Okay. So Nefer Sobit and Nedj Sobit. So Sobed. imagine. Yeah. Yes. And I found another identity, but uh, that is my uh, latest work, the a name of a priest. Okay, interesting. Another survivor. Okay. That, that is, will be my future uh, uh, release. Okay, interesting. Okay. Yeah. But I keep it, I keep it for uh, the conference. I am planning to do a conference in uh, Australia, mm -hmm. maybe next year. Yep. But I still don't know how or uh, where. Okay, but well, that, it is uh, my future plans for this. Let's let's talk afterwards, Mohammed, because yeah, we're we're putting a conference together as well, mate. So we're we're yeah, we're putting together some information. What have we got here? That's interesting. Looks like a yes. Imagine after telling you this story, all mm. of it, mm -hmm. and uh, now we are very confident about our story, right? We don't have any doubt. But suddenly there is a simple, it is not listed in the dictionary. Yes, right. Come on, but what is happening? Yeah, my that's work, strange. My, my work is going to collapse now. Yes. As if <laughs> what we say, I, I uh, hit a wall now. Yes, you hit a wall, yes. Yep. Yes. So, but wait a minute, I know this symbol. Actually, I'm telling you what exactly happened with me. Okay. Okay. And I had like a very bad headache. Like, come on, I recognize the symbol. Mm. But I will not tell my audience I know the symbol. Now, I must tell this my audience this symbol is number this in the dictionary. The code of the symbol is, let's say, one, two, three. Mm -hmm. I need an evidence. Mm -hmm. Because you will see all my... Uh, explanation is uh, supported with codes and evidences and matching symbols. Mm, okay. Mm -hmm. But not this one. This one, I didn't find this symbol in my many dictionaries. Okay. Yep. 
I but have. You, but you, but uh, but I, I can I can I can see in your face that you'd seen it before. You just couldn't place where you had seen it. Is that exactly? What yeah. Yes. Okay. I have eight dictionaries. Imagine someone with eight dictionaries, but this symbol is not listed. Oh. So I was like, <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, but I didn't lose hope. I, I was sure that I'm right. Um, so I have many dictionaries. Yes, I'm also I am a, a member of most of the hieroglyphic groups in Egypt and outside Egypt. Okay. So one of the groups uh, called hieroglyphic lovers. Okay. I send them the question. Hey guys, do you recognize this symbol? Where is this from? Yeah. Imagine it took only 10 seconds and they, many of them replied and said, yes, this is the symbol Hena, means with, okay, uh, from Greco-Roman time or from late time of ancient Egypt. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't study this uh, time or hieroglyphic in this time. I studied Old Kingdom, Middle Kingdom. Yes, right. So it was outside and, of your studies. Yeah. And, and all my dictionaries also Old and Middle Kingdom. <laughs> I don't have a dictionary <laughs> for late kingdom. Yes. So when I bought the dictionary for the late kingdom, I found it. And when I visited Komombo Temple, it is there. Itfu Temple, it is there. Uh, many temples. So, you know, uh, it was a great release for me. Mm. And I became very, very confident mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. if, if someone like me couldn't identify or couldn't let's say, uh, provide uh, an academic or a professional evidence that this symbol exists in the Egyptian language without uh, uh, help. Mm -hmm. So how about if someone, uh, a soldier or uh, a student or a, a group of uh, uh, Australians are going to fake this? Mm. So after resolving the issue of this symbol, mm -hmm. I'm 100% uh, uh, sure about the authenticity of the hieroglyphics in Gosford. Okay. Wow. And this is the symbol. Yep. Uh, yes. And this is the original symbol in the Old Kingdom. Ah, okay. Okay. And here it is, an example from uh, Komombo Temple. Yeah, clear as a day there, isn't it? Look at that. Yep. Yes. Uh -huh. Okay. Because I don't want someone to say that it's a, a fake story. No. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have many of pictures like this. In, in different places. Hmm. Wow. Okay. So, so, so have you, I mean, obviously you're, you're, you're saving some of the information. Have you finished the translation? Do you know the full story yet or are you still working? No, on it? not. Yeah, I'm still working. Okay. okay. It is not 100% finished, hmm. but I'm guessing that it is not that hard anymore because I already finished 50% of it. Okay. okay. And I'm working on the other 50%. Hmm. Wow. So, so basically, as far as as far as we go at the moment, it is a tale of a fleet of ships that have been traveling to Australia. They hit a storm. They've crashed onto the uh, onto the coastline, and then they're survivors. Um, my understanding, and I've obviously I've researched this a lot, and it's 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 been a few goes at it, is that someone gets bitten by a snake and they bury someone, and that's the, no? Okay. No, okay. <laughs> that, that is, again, the uh, uh, misinterpretation. Okay. The same story like the, the throne. Yes. Take this as a good example. 
Yeah. When you see a snake in, in the text, it doesn't mean snake. Okay. Yes, in, in, in some cases, it means a snake. But in most of the cases, it doesn't mean snake. Right. Like, right. let's say we have 10 pictures for snakes. One only will mean snake. The and rest means something else. Give, exactly. Ah, wow. Man, this has been a, this has been unreal, Muhammad. This has been unreal. I'm very uh, – uh, the fact that for me personally and some of the work that I'm doing down here with some of my colleagues and friends, for you to say, someone of your experience to say that that is actually true, I mean, that, that opens up so many different things. So just go back to the boats for a second. Is there any uh, – I mean, if you think about a boat that's carrying cedar wood, did you say – that's going to have to be quite well made to carry some hardwood from one place to another, you know. Yes, and not and and the cedar wood uh, trees. You know how long it is? It is like uh, more than sixty meters long. Absolutely, absolutely. We're not talking about short uh, trees. Oh, they are giant no. trees. Okay, so you- it means that we need a boat longer than sixty meters. Yeah. Well, well, plus because if you're going to fit, that's that's what you're carrying as far as transport. See, in my my profession, Muhammad, I'm in logistics. So this is when I look at these megalithic structures and all the stuff around the world, Gobekli Tepe and Baalbek and all these places. I look at it from a logistics point of view. That's my profession. How do you, how do we move it from one place to another? That that's where I come at it from, and. Is, is there any uh, record in the text or in, in your studies that talks about these big boats or is that something that's it's not as, as um, popular of opinion? Uh, no, look, um, let's say the uh, very few references, but also doesn't give uh, a story, just a picture we have from Old Kingdom, a king called Ones, mm-hmm. and they show uh, the... Uh, the operation of uh, moving uh, a few pillars from Aswan to his temple in uh, Giza. And the pillar is about, um, let's say, five meters mm-hmm. uh, high. Yes, it's huge, weighing like more than 20 tons, but mm. it is not very tall. Mm. But the the um, the story, but with lots of question mm. uh, of hatchet suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they show Hatshepsut also fleet, but it's supposed to be in into the Nile, not uh, on, on the sea, uh, transferring the obelisk from Aswan Quarry to Karnak Temple in Luxor. Okay. That obelisk is quite long. It's about uh, 30 meters, 32 meters, I think mm-hmm. 30 or 32 meters long and weighing 700 tons. <laughs> See, and this... And they show two opalists in one boat, not just one opalist. Oh, so there's okay. two. So that's fourteen. <laughs> so that's fourteen hundred tons in one boat. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, you would all you would already understand, Muhammad, that there isn't a crane in the world that could put them in the boat and then lift them out of the boat and and stand yes. them up. There's nothing that we have today mm-hmm. that could actually complete that task. Like that, you know, it, it blows my no, no, mind. No. Wait a minute. You actually uh, uh, explained uh, the middle of the story. Mm. The beginning of the story, of course, how they cut first. Yes. And then how they take it from that groove outside the quarry mm. 
and uh, from the quarry to the mile. Yeah, that's right. Then, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. We, we are missing so many steps. See, okay. my, my, my question, and, and, I, and I'd love to ask you this, Mohammed, because this is a discussion me and my friends have been having. And because I, I think about the questions that don't get asked a lot. So let's talk about cutting an obelisk, okay? So let's pretend for a minute that we can cut one. We can cut it down the side. We can cut it at both ends. How do they cut it underneath? That's what I want to know. How do they actually get it to cut it underneath mm. in order to pick it up? Like there's mm. no explanation for that. Like, it, it, yeah. I mean, you no, know. no. I have an explanation. Okay. As an academic also. Okay. Okay. Look, they, they of course, they uh, prepare the, uh, the surface, okay? Mm -hmm. And then they cut the sides, mm -hmm. okay? And they, from each side, they go deeper with an angle. Okay. So the obelisk will be supported with a flat, thin layer. Right, like, okay. Like, like a roller. Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay, but... <laughs> I'm trying to <laughs> pretend I uh, understand the story. Okay, so they crack the obelisk somehow, like push it maybe, or they use wood. Okay, of course I don't believe this story, but I know, I know. No. <laughs> so are you okay. saying? So basically, what you're trying to say there is they maybe they make it in a diamond like that. So they're not actually making a square. Maybe they're yeah. cutting down like this, and I can but see yeah, that. But yeah. But diamond from the lower level only. Okay. okay. Yep. Only the lower level. And that is happened. That is actually happened. We do have uh, what we call it the second unfinished obelisk. Yes. And most of the people don't know this. In Aswan, we have two unfinished obelisks, not mm -hmm. just one. The big one, the famous one, and mm -hmm. there is a smaller one in the back area. Mm -hmm. Okay. And with the second one, we can see the uh, the 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 last uh, uh, style or the pre last cut before they cut it completely. Okay. okay. So they imagine that when they reach that part, okay, uh, with some huge uh, wooden logs, they put it and they push it so it will crack, and then uh, uh, from the bottom, and then they take it out and they send it to the ship. Okay. Yeah, but how the, yeah, exactly. You, you say is, it's so. You say so simple. <laughs> get a bit of wood and you break it off and then get up and no. It's not. This is <laughs> this is how they taught us so simple. Yeah, they take it out. And yeah, yeah it just yeah. They just they get a bit of wood and they break it off and they just they tuck it on the boat and it's all good. Yeah, no. Okay. Like, like, <laughs> but when you go uh, to see it yourself and you will get closer to the the cut you'll see something strange that this cut was made by a giant tool, okay? Because mm -hmm. it leaves a huge mark like this size, like uh, 50 centimeters size, because there is uh, a mark on this edge and another mark on the other edge. So it seemed that there was like a blade of this size, 50 centimeters. Mm -hmm. And the sequence of, the, of the, this mark is perfect. So as if the blade cut here and then moved and then the, get the, the edge and then get the other part and yeah. continue. And, and this cut is like maybe five meters long. It cuts from the top of the, yeah. the surface of the obelisk, goes and continues cut all the way 
to the side and goes under the obelisk. Wow. One, one continuous cut. But yeah, so, I mean, if you take a, a modern saw, you're sort of going to have, have a couple of goes at it where you're saying it just goes down once. It just goes bang, Perfect. bang. Yeah, okay. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you my opinion uh, as, uh, as a, a person who had engineers in many, many times in my tours. Mm. So this is not my opinion as Muhammad, the tour guide only. And yep. This is my opinion based on the opinions of very talented engineers like Christopher Dunn. I was going to say you've like had, so you, yeah, you've worked with Christopher Dunn. Is that yes, correct? Okay. Yes, yes. Three, three times we were together in uh, Egypt and in this uh, location. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and, and, and I will tell you something interesting. I asked Chris Dunn, uh, Chris Dunn in 2013, a question, very, very important question for me and for my colleagues uh, who believe with advanced technology. Mm -hmm. I told him, Chris, I think the ancient Egyptians used laser to cut this. Immediately he said no. Right. Laser, laser is not going to be effective in this stone. Laser is very good with metals, mm. but not with rocks and stones. Okay. This is, has nothing to do with laser. So you see, this is what I call it the, the professional uh, or the talented uh, person who knows the secrets of his um, work. Yes. Yes, because someone else was like a, a regular tour guide or a visitor, but he is a, a fan of advanced technology. He will repeat the story of laser in mm -hmm. a wide scale. But mm. that is not correct because Chris Dan also taught me something very interesting. When you use a knife, different from a gun, different from a flame, different from uh, a chisel, every mm. tool leaves different mark. True, very true. Yes. And, and when we do analysis to the mark, we can identify the tool. So even okay. if we don't have the tool, we can understand the shape and the size and the technique of the tool with the effect of the tool. Right. Wow. Right. So, yes. Yeah, right. So can you hear me? I can, and, yeah. And this is what they use in, uh, in homicides, in, hom in homicide yeah. crimes. Okay. Mm. The, the doctor will say this person was killed with a, a knife, a certain lens, and the, the killer was uh, right-handed or left-handed from the back, from the front. Mm -hmm. Right? This is what we know about... Forensics. Forensics, exactly. Yeah. Right. So the same thing with the, uh, the cut marks. When we examine the, the mark or the, the cut, we can understand this was made by a circular saw with uh, uh, a fast saw or uh, a slow uh, saw or with pressure or with uh, sound waves, mm. which is something interesting. Okay. Well, I'm a I mean, fan with this story. Yeah, we'll see. Waves. I think that's we talk a lot. We did a uh, we did a podcast very early on about on the Great Pyramid about the logistics behind the Great Pyramid, and we were talking about the uh, the king's the king's sarcophagus uh, in the king's chamber, and the fact that that is uh, rose granite, which is very hard, and the, and the pressure and it and what it would take to actually drill that out. And look, I I think. 
I'm, I'm with, I, I like sound waves as well. We, we sort of, between me and my, my colleagues, we, we think about sound, light, and vibration, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, yeah, if, if Chris Dunn says not light, then that's cool. But I think sound and vibration, mm-hmm. if you can match mm-hmm. the frequency of whatever object you have, whether it be stone or anything else like that, then it can, you can alter the, the molecular structure. I think exactly. Look from the, the mark, I can tell you the ancient Egyptian used uh, uh, saws from blades. Mm-hmm. We can see the, the effect of the blade, but I cannot tell you what kind of blade it, is it metal or diamond. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but it is something can cut rose granite as butter. Yes, and that, that yeah, exactly. So, how do you how do you actually and, and, and in other cases, I can see the effect of sound waves. Mm. Mm. Okay. I, I think, and uh, like I know, I have studied some of Chris Dunn's work as well, and the exact copies of the faces and stuff like that. Wow. Like the, the the technology that it would take to actually be able to replicate mm-hmm. that perfectly. Um, mm-hmm. Well, look, well, look, Mohammed, you've been very generous with your time, mate. Um, there's so many other things I'd love to talk to you about. I, I'd love to have you back mm-hmm. again. There's many discussions that we can have if you'd love to come back on again another time. Sure. Yes. Next week I will be available. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's let's see. If we can tee up a, a, a round two. Um, I suppose the only other thing I wanted to ask you about, if I can ask you one more question, is your in a lot of the 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 stuff that I've seen of yours, you talk a lot about the maybe our brain, our ability to access the as much as of our consciousness has decreased over time. Is that, yes. is that an individual idea of yours or is that something that you, you, you've, is that something you've come up with by yourself or where did you come up with Look, that idea? Uh, okay, uh, let me tell you. I um, heard this from uh, many visitors, okay, mm-hmm. uh, and some people were uh, uh, in, in the hotel or in uh, some other places where we were doing toning. Mm-hmm. And when I asked them, like what and tell me they were talking about uh, healing and their spirituality and increasing uh, or opening their consciousness mm-hmm. and they start, started to explain to me some kind of techniques that the ancient Egyptian used to practice this mm-hmm. so immediately uh, I started to recall so many information but it was like hidden uh, in, uh, in, in, in my brain and I didn't make connection between the, such information and what I'm hearing before. Uh, and as we say, you see what you know. Mm. Okay. So if, if I don't know, I see nothing. Mm. Okay. So I started to remember something very important that the ancient Egyptians and the modern Egyptians, but not the, the, the current Egyptians, let's say the Egyptians before 1900 uh, AD, 100 years ago, they used to go to, to the temple for healing. Yeah. And this is the fact uh, is known in Egypt, uh, like a temple, like Karnak temple, as an example. And you'll find that this is uh, written in many books about uh, the Egyptian temples. They say the ladies used to go to this temple uh, because of pregnancy. Yes. They will take some powder or some kind of water and they will have their own recipe uh, because they wanted to be pregnant. Okay. Uh, So now 
we are sure that the uh, Egyptian temples were uh, uh, like a, a center or were centers for healing. Uh, another temple, Bandara Temple for Hatur, also they say it is a huge healing center. But what is Hatur? Hatur is music. I was going to say, yeah, sound, 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 here. sound exactly. healing, yes. Yep. Yep. When, when we say music, we don't mean the actual music. Now we are talking about sound vibrations. Mm. Okay. Uh, when we talk about something very, very interesting, most of the people explain it from a technology point of view, which is the unfinished box at the Egyptian Museum. Mm -hmm. That box, uh, if you look from the front part, it is on the, the, uh, uh, the side level. It is not upright. It is not in the right position. They put it on the side. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you stand in front of it, you will see perfect uh, box, right? Mm -hmm. No mistakes. But if you go to the backside, you will see the mistake that they were trying to cut the lid from the backside and a mistake happened. So the, the lid is broken. Half of the lid disappeared. We didn't find it. And the other half still attached with a big cut uh, in, in, the, uh, in the backside. Okay. Mm -hmm. So why they left this box, why it is uh, considered unfinished and why they didn't cut this piece, throw it away yep. and provide another piece to make the lid, right? They wasted the whole thing. Because it's so got to be one piece. It has to be one piece. Is that is for resonance? From the same, from this, exactly. It must be from the same piece. Mm. Why? Because of the same molecular structure. Because yeah. of the same amount of quartz. Mm. Another piece is not trusted to give the same conditions. Yeah. Okay. And why from the back? Why not from the front? Mm. Yes. Because if you cut from the front and put it on the front, so it's still the same thing. You didn't do anything new. But from the back, on the top, so you flip the wave. Yeah. And that, the, and that would be and, and, magnetic and as well. Mm. Yes. And radioactive. Yes. The granite, or, uh, in scientific uh, way, it is radioactive stone. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you, my phone, your phone, uh, TV, uh, radio, they all have small piece of quartz. Absolutely. Sending and receiving. Absolutely. Okay? Yeah. So, so imagine this box is full of quartz. Mm. So it is radioactive stone. Wow. So, so to flip the, uh, the field, Okay, it will be like self-active. Yes. Okay? It doesn't need uh, an, another thing to uh, turn it on. Right, right. Uh, so, so this is what I started to hear and what I started to... Yes, uh, they are telling me stories, but I can see the evidences. I can feel it. Okay? Mm. Uh, when we talk about lotus, and I see the ancient Egyptians put uh, the uh, young Horus... Uh, in a shape of a young baby, emerged from the lotus flower. Mm. Okay. And uh, the word Horus in the Egyptian language, just Hor. Hor, without S. That is the Greek way. Okay. Okay. Hor or Hor means free. Mm. So you free yourself. Okay. Uh, they make yes. the head of Tutankhamun. Tutankhamun uh, also emerged from the lotus flower. Mm. Okay. So the head, the brain. So, so, so many... Uh, messages and evidences saying that there was a way in ancient Egypt to 
uh, increase the consciousness and mm. to free the consciousness for mm. better connection, for communication. So I'm, I'm not sure for what, but cool. it is something I believe and I see it all the time, even in their writings. Yeah, right. Well, listen, mate, look, I, this is, uh, let's sit down again soon because I have a, a, I've got a, a page of notes that we didn't get to, but that was very, very interesting, mate. And I, I can't, it's such a pleasure and an honour to have someone like yourself on the show. And I really, really appreciate your time. And I know there's plenty of people from this humble little Aussie podcast around the world that are looking forward to listening to this conversation. So um, thanks very much, mate. I really appreciate yeah, it. Welcome. Thank you. Good on you, mate. We'll talk again soon. Have a great day. <laughs>